morning. Welcome to New Life. Glad you guys can be here today. My name is Jeff Baker. I'm one of the pastors on staff. So if you're visiting family um, or you're watching us today online, I just wanted to know and know, let you know who I am and just say thank you for showing up today. It's a great honor to come into God's house. Thank you for those of you that worship with us at our early service who decided to sleep in a little bit and show up now. All right, congratulations to you. Hopefully you did sleep in. And for those of you that normally attend our later service, you woke up early to be here. What a sacrifice. I say thank you. (laughs) And for all of you that showed up early hoping for the uh, coffee and donuts and forgot about the 1030 service, thank you for sitting in our lobby and praying. That was very nice of you. (laughs) I I do want to thank you for doing that. So today is uh, Memorial Day weekend. Obviously, tomorrow is actually Memorial Day. Who gets the day off tomorrow? Come on, yeah, man, you guys are not excited about that, evidently. I just saw hands go up like, yeah, it's a... Because we all know, we know if you're you're a man, you know you don't really get the day off because there's a whole list of other things to do. Right, honey? Yes, okay. I'm just being real, I'm just being real, all right? I was talking to somebody in the balcony, and uh, it's hard to relax sometimes. It's hard to take a day and just chillax down, all right? That's chill and relax for some of you, you know, that aren't so hip. Um, and that may not be hip, by the way, so don't use it. You may, it may sound really weird if you use the word chillax. You may have a hard time relaxing, okay? And even based on the video, yes, it might be a day that we relax, but it's a day that we have to remember. It's a day that we remember those who have given their lives, who have given it all, serving our country. You know, that's the day. That's the day we're looking at tomorrow. Yeah. You know, this tradition started back in our Civil War when our nation experienced some of its greatest deaths that it had ever experienced. And we've never experienced anything greater than that in our nation until we faced World War II. But in our nation, we saw hundreds of thousands of our own from the North and from the South that gave their lives, you know, as shards of lead shot through their bodies and as small explosions blew up around them. And if it wasn't for the hundreds of thousands of those that gave their lives, there was also an additional hundreds of thousands that lived the rest of their life, you know, maimed or um, disformed or disfigured in one fashion or another. It was very, it was a very difficult time for our nation. And at that time, we needed to have some way to respond. And so Memorial Day was something that began to be practiced. It wasn't official. It wasn't a holiday necessarily that was put on the, on the calendar. It was a day that we looked and we remembered our family members who had literally given their lives for what we call our nation. And today there are still people giving their lives in that same way. There's still soldiers that are out there that are fighting on your half and my behalf. And they're still out there willing to give it all. And they're willing to give it all for the freedoms that you and me cherish today. And I thank them for that. They're willing to give it all so that the next generation of our great nation can experience freedom. They're willing to give it all for the ideals that our nation was built on. They're even sacrificially willing to give it all so that other nations might experience a freedom from tyranny. They're also willing to give it all because there's something that's down on the inside of every single one of them. And that is there's an integrity to the mission. An integrity to the mission. An integrity to the name that they signed on the dotted line And when they signed their name on the dotted line and they went to boot camp and now they serve in our United States military, that name on that dotted line meant, I will serve my country no matter what the cause is 
no matter where the place is at, and I'll serve it until the mission is done, no matter what the cost. To those folks that are still serving today, I honor you as well. In fact, I would like to just take a quick moment, as we've just a moment ago applauded for those who gave their lives. There are those of you that also have served in our military, and I know that I'm one of them, and I know that at moments like this, you and me don't want anyone to clap for us. That's not the reason why we served. But there was a reason why they started Memorial Day back in the Civil War. That was because there's something in the hearts of all of us that needs to express gratitude. All of us have a need to express gratitude. And today we want to express our gratitude. If you, if you are serving or have served in our United States military, would you just stand for a moment while we express our gratitude to you? I would like to do something very unique. I would like to uh, be able to pray for those of you that are currently serving in our military. Uh, If you're currently serving in our military or you have a son or a daughter that's serving in our military or a grandson or a granddaughter or someone in your immediate family that's serving in our military, um, we want to take a moment just to pray for you. All right. And we want to pray for them. Some of them are overseas and they're serving in difficult spots. But if they're in our military today, I know one thing for sure, and that is tomorrow is uncertain because the world we live in is a very uh, you know, tumultuous world. It's stirred up with all types of anger and hate and one person against another. And we never know when our folks are going to be called anywhere in the world, not to mention the own attacks that might happen on them while they sit in the safety of the confines of what we call the United States of America. So we want to take a moment to pray for them. If you're here and you're actively serving, would you please stand, not so that we can applaud you, but so that we can pray for you. And if you've got a son or a daughter or some immediate family that is, would you please stand really quick? Would you just do that all across this place? And then what I want our church to do is I want you just to kind of move right now. If there's someone standing around you, would you just move and lay your hands on them? And would somebody in that circle pray for the life of that person that they represent? It might be them that's going. It might be a son or a daughter that they've got or a grandson or a granddaughter. But would one of you in that circle just take the initiative and lead out and pray for them? Find out maybe who it is that, you know, is serving and then pray for them very quickly. And then I want to wrap it up in about 60 seconds with a word of prayer. Okay? So you guys take the initiative and let's spend, let's spend a moment praying. If you don't have anyone around you, pray for our troops right now, wherever they are on the planet. Okay? Let's do that.
Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, as those that stand here today, representing themselves that are in the military or extended family, Lord, we lay hands on them. We lay hands on these folks, God, because we know that, Lord, there's safety that's needed for their lives. Lord, there's protection that's needed for their lives. That as some of them are being sent this very week into harm's way, and, and others are serving in our nation, no matter where they are, God, we ask you to bless them. We ask you to bless their families. Lord, we ask you to bless wives that are home or with children while husbands are away, or moms that are away while husbands are home with children. But we ask you to keep your hand of protection upon them. Put your guardian angels around them. God, as they walk into harm's way, that Lord, you will literally watch out for them. You'll be, you'll be their shield in the front. You'll be their, their guard in the back and to the right and to the left of them. But we pray that for them in the name of Jesus. We pray that, Lord, only you can give them peace in their hearts. May you do that, no matter where they are on this planet today. May you show up in their midst and remind them that you are God. You are Lord. You are still on the throne. No matter what happens on the right and the left of them, you are still on the throne. You are still God. And may they know that without a shadow of a doubt. We praise you and we thank you, Lord, for their willingness to sacrifice their lives and put their lives on harm's way for our sake and for our freedom. May you look out for them and be their shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There's nothing quite like praying for one another, is there? Nothing like it. This is a house of prayer, by the way. It's also not a sauna. So, I know it's a little hot in here. All right, so if you guys would just calm down a little bit and stop generating so much heat, I think our AC units could... They could keep up, probably, or we could actually turn the fans up. That's a little hint. Amen. Amen. It's sad when you get more amens for, can we turn the fans up? (laughs) Nevertheless, just as our nation has great heroes, the faith is filled with great heroes. Hebrews chapter 11 talks to us about the saints of old that had great faith. It refers to those individuals basically as heroes. Let me just highlight a few of them that are talked about in there. There's one man, his name is Enoch. You may, hear, you may have heard about Enoch. Enoch is a man who followed God. He was obedient to God. He was just passionate about God. I mean, he followed him and did exactly what God said. And in one day, the Bible says about Enoch, which it only says is about two men in all of the Bible, that Enoch was one day taken up and taken away. Powerful. Amazing. He was just taken up off this earth in a chariot of fire because of his obedience and his faithfulness to God. That's awesome. Another one that's talked about in there is Noah. Noah is talked about in Hebrews chapter 11, which baffles my mind sometimes because you just need to know Noah was not a perfect man. But one thing Noah had was audacious faith. He was willing to believe in something that the Holy Spirit spoke to him even when he had not ever seen it rain in his life. And God said to him, build build a boat. Build a boat in the middle of the desert. I'm going to look foolish. I don't build a boat. And so he does it. He doesn't just build like a little recreational boat like you would build in your backyard. He builds basically a tanker. All right? A tanker. And everyone's walking by going, you're crazy. You're a fool. Just like anybody would if you're building a big tanker in the middle of a desert. But he knew something. He knew God had spoke to him. That's why the Bible referred to him as a hero of the faith. You have Abraham, Abraham with Isaac and his wife, Sarah, who, you know, uproot themselves from their homeland and move to where God calls them to, which, by the way, they had no clue where they were going. You know, and in that journey, God asked him, take your son, 
Isaac later on in life, which by the way, I'm going to give you a son. What? Are you crazy? You know how old I am? Yep, I'm going to do it anyways. So he had faith for it. God gave him a son, Isaac. Then God says to him, yeah, and by the way, would you go and uh, sacrifice your son for me? I know that sounds pretty brutal. I know that if you're here today and you're an explorer of God and you're wondering, is God, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one I should put my hope and my life into? Um, Is he the one I should follow? He's the one telling some of his own people to kill their own sons. Well, listen, you just got to know the whole story to figure it all out. So don't judge God based on one little moment of faith, okay? And in one little moment of the Bible, you got you to take in the whole piece to understand what's going on. But Abraham did that, and God spared his son, obviously, because he had great faith, and he was referred to as a hero. Then you have Joseph. Joseph is talked about in Genesis. Here's a man who's got multiple brothers. His brothers hate him because he, they feel like their father has, you know, this prejudice of love towards Joseph. And so while they're out working in the fields, they find this cistern hole, this big hole, and they throw their brother into it. And then later on, they sell their brother into slavery and tell their own dad he was murdered or killed. And they sell him into slavery. He ends up in Egypt. He starts climbing to a level of success and then ends up in the dungeons for a couple of years, only to become the second in charge of the greatest nation of its time, Joseph. A man of great faith that even when his brother's And his father were suffering under drought and they came to him. Joseph, instead of slaughtering them, forgave them. A man of great faith. It doesn't end there. It goes to Moses. It goes to Moses. What can I say about Moses that Charlton Heston hasn't already said? Anyways. (laughs) What what can I really tell you to make it any more, more alive than what he's done? But you know Moses put in a basket as a baby and sent down the river to escape the slaughter of the government of all the children. And here he is, and he's saved. His life, you can't, they, can't, uh, they can't take care of him. He's sent down there, and he's raised in Pharaoh's house. Pharaoh's house, only to rise up to a level where he looks Pharaoh in the eye later on as an adult, and he basically says, let these people go, and he leads them out. He's the one that led them through the Red Sea. It was Moses who lifted up the rod that God gave him, and he smacked the water, and the waters parted, and they walked across on dry ground. It's Moses who took that same rod, and he smacked the rock when they needed water, and water came from it. It was Moses who led them through the desert. Not a perfect man, but a hero of the faith. And then last but not least, and this is not even the whole list of Hebrews chapter 11, all of a sudden, this woman, Rahab, a prostitute, ends up in the hero, in the hall of fame of the kingdom list. Yeah, a prostitute, Rahab, who is a prostitute in the city of Jericho when Joshua leads the the Israelites finally now into the promised land, and Joshua sends spies again into the promised land in Joshua chapters 2, 3, and 4, And when he sends them in, they find Rahab, this woman, who says to these spies, there's one thing I know, you're of God and we are not. And God's going to give you this city and he's going to give you this land. He's going to give it. I, I know that. Something in my heart tells me that. A prostitute. And a prostitute decides, I'm going to help you because I want to figure out how to honor your God. And she ends up living a life that does honor the God of Israel. The one true living God. And the Bible refers to her as a hero of the faith. Well, this is like one of those plaques, those never-ending plaques, those ones where you've got like one person's name there and then there's a bunch of other space for other names to be added. This plaque that's talked about in Hebrews chapter 11 is not where it ends. There's other names that got put on there, like all of the disciples, by the way, which all of them, as far as we can know from church history, all of them minus one, the, the, the disciple John gave his life brutally for the message of jesus christ 
They died in a, in an X cross. They died on a cross upside down. They died on crosses just like their savior. They died, you know, being boiled in oil. They died being filleted, being filleted. They died being ripped apart. I mean, these guys, according to church history, they gave up their lives in very, very brutal ways. If you are an explorer here, or you're here on your spiritual journey and you're doubting who God is, one thing you need to know today for certain is this. Why would 11 of the 12 and all 12 be willing to give their lives for a lie? Why? Who gives their life for a lie? Who hangs on the cross? Who has the pliers of its time put to their skin and have it ripped away? Who does that? Who lets their life be brutally beaten for a lie? These men stood up for something of truth. They're heroes today. You can also mention John the, John the Baptist, who was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. Both of them about the same age, but John was out there not even knowing who Jesus was at the time, but knowing in his heart that God was sending his son to the earth. And so he gets out there and he proclaims that there's one who's coming that is great. There's one who's coming that my, my feet are not even fit to fit in his sandals. There's one who's coming that will transform the world. And he preaches this message and is looked at at times as like a lunatic, as a crazy man, out of his mind, not even knowing what he's talking about. But lo and behold, he knew exactly what he was talking about when the, when the God-man Jesus walked on that shore that day and came up to him and said, baptize me. And he realized, you are the son of the living God, a hero of the faith, a hero of the faith. They're still being produced to this very day. Heroes of the faith, and on this Memorial Day, I recognized 105,000 Christians estimated that gave their life last year for the cause of Jesus Christ. 105,000 of them. These are not 105,000 people that call themselves Christians that got in a car accident. These are not 105,000 Christians that just happened to be walking down the street and got hit by a bus. These are 105,000 martyrs. That means they died because of their faith. They gave their life because they wouldn't reject the cause of Jesus Christ. And this is an estimate right now. And the estimate continues to grow. More people gave their lives for the cause of Christ in the 20th century than all the other 19 centuries combined together. Every five minutes today, in the year 2013, someone on this planet gives their life as a martyr. As a martyr. Reject Christ or die. I'm not going to reject him. Boom. Gave them their lives. Today, while you and me sit here in America, as some of our soldiers that we recognize gave their lives in the past so that we might have the civil freedoms that we have, there are others that are giving their lives for the spiritual passion of giving it all for the sake of Christ. And it's happening today while you and me argue about the color of pews. While you and me wonder about what we're going to eat for this afternoon. While you and me, you know, pray for our own selfish gain. While you and me walk around you know, you know, uh, worried about what others would think about us if we let them openly know that we're Christ followers. Every five minutes, someone's willing to take a bullet for the cause of Christ. That's the world you and me live in. This fantasy land called America is not the world that we live in. It's become a fantasy land because we don't cherish its freedoms anymore. It's become a fantasy land because we're, we're not standing up for the boldness that Christ asked us to when it comes to the church and boldly living the life we're called to live. You're like, like, time out. And that's not me. I know. I'm not talking about everyone. I'm talking in general. But we live in a, in a time frame where the world is in need of, once again, Christ followers that would live their life audaciously with a faith that says, I'll be a hero. I'll be a hero of the faith if that's what God calls me to. 
No one walked out their door that gave their life for the civil liberties of our freedom. No one walked out of the camp that day and crossed the wire and walked out into the battlefield and said, you know what, today I'm going to become a hero. Today I'm going to do a heroic thing. Today I'm going to give my life for my country. No one walks across the wire into the battlefield with that on their lips. But I'm telling you where heroes come from. All heroes are the same. They all beat to the same drum. And they all have with inside of them this crazy idea that just possibly, just possibly, I can go out and I can do my job. I can do what God's called me to do. And I can do what my sergeant asked me to do. And I can get out there and I can accomplish the mission. And if accomplishing the mission, it asks for all of me, I'm willing to give it. Every hero has inside of their heart the willingness to give it all. Whether they're a soldier in our military or they're a soldier in God's kingdom. Today, I want to talk to you about what it would look like for you to live your life in becoming a hero of the faith. I'm going to tell you one thing. It doesn't require necessarily for you to give. It doesn't require for you to give a physical death. But it is going to require for you to give a death. And that death is going to be to self. As I looked through Hebrews chapter 11, there were two critical things that stood out to me as I looked at every single one of these people that were called heroes to try to figure out what would it look like to live like a hero of the faith. And the first thing that you and me are going to have to do if we even want to entertain the idea of being the next hero, the next name that gets put on the plaque, is this. You must, you must know the voice of the king. See, a good soldier, one thing I learned when I was in the military is that a good soldier marches to the last orders that he was given until he's given new ones. It doesn't matter what the, what the obstacle is that's in front of you. It doesn't matter how high the mountain is. It doesn't matter how large the enemy is. A good soldier, until he's given new ones, finishes the mission, even if it requires his life. And each hero spiritually that's mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 was following a set of orders. The set of orders was from their king. Not the king of their civil land. Not the king of their government. The king of their heart. That was God. The one true God who, who spoke the heavens and earth into existence. The one true God who was leading them, who had not abandoned them. They knew his voice and they were willing to follow him. I mean, look at Abraham's life. I told you a minute ago, but in Genesis chapter 12, God comes to him and he says, Abraham, I want you to leave your homeland. I want you to go to a place that you'd never gone to before. Or Abraham, I want you to take your son up onto this mountain. I want you to sacrifice him there. And Abraham basically said those times when God came to him, yes, sir. And he marched off to accomplish it. That's what Hebrews chapter 11, which if you have a Bible today, I'm going to be preaching out of that. You're going to want to be in Hebrews chapter 11. In in verse 8, it says this. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and to go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. He left. He took off. Not even knowing where, God, do you want me to go? But he had faith to do that because he knew the voice of the king. He knew that that voice was a safe voice to follow. It was going to challenge him. It wasn't going to be easy. That meant he was going to live as a foreigner. It talks about Abraham coming from his homeland, which was a very safe, comfortable place, but living as a foreigner, living in tents among those that were living in dwellings and in homes and in, you know, whatever kind of fortress that they may have had at that moment and abraham did this why because he had faith yes but he also did this because he was willing to die to his selfish desires your selfish desires and my selfish desires are going to keep us from potentially being a hero of the faith it's living inside of our comfort zone it's not expanding it. it's not taking the risk that's required to become a hero heroes aren't made sitting on couches watching tv 
Heroes are made getting out of the comfort zone, putting their life in harm's way. Heroes are made in the faith when they put themselves out there and they trust God with a crazy faith that says, yes, God, I'll go even when I don't know where I'm going. That means you have to die to your selfish desires. If you're a parent here today, every single one of you, you want your kids to listen to you, don't you? Any parent here would just, you know, don't you just want your kids to listen to you? Don't you want them to hear your voice and basically say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir? Isn't that, isn't that a nice thing to think about? I know, sometimes it's a fantasy. I got it. But it's what's in our heart, right? You want them to do that. Why do you want your kids to listen to your voice? Why do you want your kids to know your voice and to obey it and listen to it? Is it because when you're out in public, you just want to look like you're in control? Okay, not bad. There's good reasons for that. All right, but if it's just to be in control and you're a dictator, then I'm telling you that's the wrong attitude. And if your kids don't listen to you, you might want to check your own heart. Do you want them to listen to you? Why do you want them to listen to you? Let me tell you a couple of reasons why you definitely want them to to know your voice and to listen to you. If you're in a crowd of a thousand and you lose your kid and you go, Andy, 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 I'm over here. You want your kid to hear your voice in the midst of thousands and to come walking through the lostness to be found. Am I right? Absolutely. What if your kid is three or four years old and they're running towards the high traffic street to get their ball? And you notice it. Don't you want to yell over and go, Tiffany, stop! And have them just go, Yes, you do. Why? Because you want the best for them. You want your kids to know your voice because you want to direct them and you want to help them and you want to nurture them and you want to love them. And God wants you to know His voice because He wants to nurture you, help you, and bless you. And sometimes that means He's going to expand the tent stakes of what seems comfortable to you. But what God's really looking for is God's looking for you to have this inside of your heart. God's voice must inspire inside of you immediate obedience. That's what God's looking for. When God yells out your name and he goes, Jeff, stop. He's looking for me to not go, oh, um, okay, well then I'm just going to walk slower, God, but I'm going to head the same direction. Somebody's looking for, he's looking for me to go, huh? all right, God, what do you want? I got, I got it. When God yells out my name and he goes, Jeff, turn right. He wants me to turn right. When God goes, Jeff, there's a person that's hurting. I want you to pray for them. He wants me to go there. When God speaks to me and he goes, Jeff, I want you to take that thousand dollars and I want you to give it away over here. Then that's what you do. When God says, hey, I want to pick you up and I want to move you across the country to some other place. Then he picks you up and he moves you. God's looking for immediate, immediate obedience. And I was taught immediate, immediate obedience. When you go into the military, that's like one of the first things they teach you. Drop and give me 50. And you're like, well, you know, my dad never really asked me to do that. (laughs) And then they get in your face and they're like, well, now you can call me mommy, son. (laughs) And that 50 just became 100. And you're like, I can't even do 25. You learn that quickly why because you're going to need it in the battlefield you're going to need to have the voice of the sergeant drilled into you the voice of the lieutenant drilled into you so that when he says get up and run even when bullets are flying all over the place you get up and you run when he tells you to get your head down you get your head down and when god speaks to us god's looking for immediate response you have to know his voice or you're going to miss it Heroes aren't made when they miss the voice. 
No hero was made in the battlefield when they disobeyed the voice of the sergeant. And they stayed down when he told them to get up. And the grenade blew them up. That's not how heroes are made. Heroes are made when they heard his voice and they ran. And in the midst of running, they saved others' lives. You and me, if we want to be heroes of the faith, we're going to have to get up out of our comfort zones and we're going to have to run. But we're going to have to run after the one who speaks with truth. We're going to have to run after him. It's not about doing things. It's about running to him. Your greatest spirituality is not about what you can do in God's name. It's what God can do in his name in you. It's not about what you can do in his name. It's about what he wants to do in you. That's where heroes are made. Heroes are made when they open up their heart and they let the power of the one who designed them continue to alter their course. That's how heroes are made. But you have to be the person that immediately recognizes and obeys. And today, one of the reasons why some of us aren't immediately recognizing and obeying is because there's other voices that are captivating our attention. And those voices have to be laid down today if if you're ever going to live your life and being a hero of the faith. You have to lay down those other voices, those voices of sin, those voices of selfishness, those voices that just want you to stay in the comfort and the confines of what you can live in and what you can dwell in and what you can handle and what you can fix and what you can understand. God's outside of those things many times. That's where heroes are found. Another reason why you're not knowing his voice is because you're unwilling to follow the small nudges. In my life, God started with the small nudges. He started with a couple of words and I had to be obedient to follow it with hardly anything. And then later on in life, I began to learn, oh, God, that's your voice. And later on in life, it's not that he has to give me more, it's just that I become more familiar with his voice. And some of you have been unwilling to take the initiative to respond when God spoke just a little bit. You're waiting for the heavens to open up, for the thunder to clap in such a way that an audible voice of God says to do something. And God doesn't work that way all the time. Thankfully, he does sometimes. But that's not his norm. His norm is, I'm going to impress upon your spirit, my heart. You've got to make the decision if you're going to immediately obey or not. And if you do, my friends, what you're going to learn is God speaks again. And then he speaks again. And you become familiar with his voice. And then you start moving. You start going with God. And all of a sudden, before you know it, you're obeying. And you naturally, authentically become a hero of the faith. That's how those names were written about in Hebrews chapter 11. Will your name be after Rahab the prostitute? (laughs) Will it or will it not? Is your name going to be worthy enough to be put on the plaque? It's going to come down to immediate obedience in knowing the voice of the king. You need to know the voice of the king because you're going to face difficult situations. It's because these guys obeyed and they went out on the journey didn't mean that they weren't going to face difficult moments. Faith was required so that when the difficult moment happened, they knew who was leading them. When everything blew up around them, they were able to get up and go, I can still march on. So to know the voice of the king is going to be important because your journey is going to have difficulties. But also to know the voice of the king means you're going to have to intentionally take time to hear it. All too often, we grow comfortable in what we can understand and what we can do, what we can fix. And so we don't ever seek the guidance and or advice of the king. If you're not seeking the guidance and advice of the king, how can you know which voice is following you? We need to stop for a moment. We need to alter our course. We need to, you know, put inside of us some checklists, set up a little filter system that goes, I need to be asking you, God, more about my life than I ever have. I need to be asking you before I take on something massive. I need to be asking you, God, what's your agenda for a meeting before I ever walk into the meeting? I need to be asking your advice, seeking your advice on my finances, seeking your advice on my children and how to raise them, seeking your advice on my marriage. I need to be asking you 
We can all stand to be asking God for His wisdom and for His advice in our lives more than we are to this very moment. Am I right about that? We can all stand that. So I'm challenging you today. Become heroes of the faith and take time to listen to His voice. He'll lead you. That means when you open up your Bible, don't just read it. Reflect on it. Take only a couple of scriptures at a time and reflect on those two scriptures. If you're wondering to yourself, is the intuitive voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to me or is he not? Do what I've done in my past and go to heroes of the faith. People that I would consider heroes of the faith. People that have a higher ranking spiritually than I do and ask them, could this be God? I've asked those questions before. Could God speak to me in this way? To only have spiritual leaders go, absolutely, Jeff. Well, how do you know? Here's how I know. This is what the Bible says. This is what I, boom, 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 boom. You take great confidence when you refer to those who have the greater rank, who have the greater experience. They're there to help us. They're there to be leaders and guardians and guiders and fathers of the faith for us if we'll allow them to be. But we've got to intentionally seek them out. This seeking out the voice of the king is the same Holy Spirit's voice that Pastor Bob and I talked about on this stage last week. And if you were here, I was so encouraged by how many of you came up to us and were inspired to say, the Holy Spirit spoke to you that way. Maybe he'll speak to us. I heard so many of you say, I'm enticed to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. You and me are going to be a life-giving church when we start listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's how heroes are made. So once you know who spoke, once you know that God is the one who spoke to you, then number two, you must live with the true end in mind. The true end in mind. See, each hero of the faith realized that this earth was not their final resting place. That this place was not the place where they were going to end. That they realized, even like James chapter 4 talks about, that my life is like a vapor. It's here one moment and it's gone the next. This is not where I end. If my life was, you know, drawn from a line from that exit sign there, you know, over here to this tree, if that, my, if that was the span of my life, my life on this earth like a vapor is, bam, just here. It's so small in the scope of eternity. True heroes of their faith live with the end in mind, realizing that although they're following God's plan and they're hearing God's voice and they're doing what God's called them to do, this is not their final resting place. That there's something greater than this place. That's why in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10 says this, that Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Not a land that God called him to that he didn't know about. He was faithfully doing that, but he was also looking forward to a city that wasn't built by man's hands, something that he couldn't do himself. And he, in that, he found great confidence. He found confidence in God. And his confidence, it drove him and it led him. And he did something with his confidence. Look at verse 10 again, very quickly. What did Abraham do with his confidence? Do you see? You see what it says? Abraham was confidently doing what? He was looking forward. He was keeping the end in mind. The true end, like a great racer who's racing a marathon race and they're running that race and people are standing on the side cheering, cheering them, but they race right by them. They don't stop to say hi. They know that runners are ahead of them and they're tracking them down and runners are coming behind them. They can hear their footsteps, but they're not set off by that. Great racers, keep the end in mind. Five miles, four miles, three miles, 
two miles. I'm aware of my surroundings, but I'm keeping the end in mind. One mile, boom, there's the finish line. And they pick up the pace and they finish stronger than they even started. That's what great racers do. They run with a confidence, knowing the end is in mind, and I'm going to reach it. That's how, that's how Abraham was. That's, what, that's how these great heroes of the faith were. They, they lived their lives with the end in mind. Because if they didn't, there was a great consequence. Verse 15 talks about the consequence. It says if they had longed for the country that they came from, they could have gone back. See, confidence in Christ causes you to be looking forward in life, not backward. You know the Achilles heel of the Christian is the enemy's voice reminding you of your past and how wicked and vile it is and how many mistakes you've made and how sinful you were yesterday. He constantly wants you to look back because when you're looking back, you're not racing forward. And when you're looking back, you're not keeping the true end in mind. You've got this, this little part of all of your eternity as your final scope, as your final resting place. And he just diminishes your authority and power to ever become a hero. You don't live life looking in the rear. You don't, look life looking, you don't live life looking in the back. You live life confidently with Christ looking forward. You live with the true end in mind. It's going to cause you to do a few things. It's going to cause you to look beyond the worries of today. You won't get caught up in those things. It'll cause you to look beyond the failures of yesterday. And it will place your complete hope in a God-centered future. So to do that, to live with the true end in mind, I just got a couple of warnings for you. First, first, you got to keep looking. If you keep looking back, excuse me, if you keep looking back to what is comfortable and easy to understand, then you will forfeit eternal rewards for temporary beliefs. You keep looking backwards, you're going to forfeit eternal rewards for a temporary belief, for a temporary gain, for a temporary benefit. I'm telling you right now, this temporary benefit on this earth is nothing like the eternal gain that you'll have if you live your life with the true end in mind, knowing that this is just a battle. This is just a battle, but the war is won in the end. Oh, this is just a scuffle. This is just where I fell down. I picked myself back up because Christ, even while I was a sinner, he died for me. He's already won the battle. I live life shooting for a city that's not built by man's hands, shooting for a city that's built by God's hands. Another warning, you know, to, to get to living your life with the true end in mind, keep this warning in mind. If you desire to live like the past, you will never become the hero of the faith. You've got to give up the things that are stealing They're stealing your vision from following God. If you try to live life holding on to the past, you'll never become a hero. If you try to live life holding on to some of the sin nature of your past and you're just going to convince everyone around you that you're different, but you're going to become a hero, it's never going to happen. If you try to hang on to some memory of failure of the past, you'll never become a hero. You can't hang on to the past and become a hero. You have to be looking forward and completely trusting in God. You can't settle for just the norm and become a hero. It doesn't happen that way. You're going to have to get yourself out on the front lines and say, Captain, Christ, I'll take lead today. I'll put myself out in the front. I'll be the first one to cross the line. Fathers, husbands, put yourself there. Stop putting your wife there. That's just as plain as I can say it. Stop, stop allowing your wife to be the one that has always got to be the spiritual leader of your home. You know what she's doing? She's really wanting you to step up to the plate and she's trying to show you the pace she wants you to run. That's what she's really doing. She may not know that on the inside, but that's what she's doing. 
And this has nothing to do with women's rights, men's rights. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just saying, husbands, step up to the plate and be the spiritual leader of your home. Your family's craving it. They're craving it. They're hungry. This world's hungry for men that will stand up and be godly men and admit their failures and admit when they fail, when they fall flat on the ground, but they don't look backwards. They pick it up and they go, let's march into the future. Let's do great things for God. That's what, that's what God's looking for. He's looking for people like that if they're going to become heroes of the faith. And let me just tell you this. In just wrapping it up, there's great benefits to living as heroes of the faith. Let me just tell you a few of them. First, you maintain the integrity of the kingdom during your generation. Maintain the integrity of the kingdom during your generation. It's our job right now to maintain the holiness. Instead of slipping and following the world into its decay, it's our job as a church to maintain the holiness, not in a religious way that beats people up, but in a relationship way that says, you know what, we're, holy. we're trying to maintain holiness because we're lovers of God. And we're trying to walk in his ways because we're following the one who gave us the mission. His name is Jesus Christ. Not so we can dump on people. Not so we can slam on people. Not so that we can push other people down. Not so we can take our self-righteousness and make others feel, you know, like they're unworthy. No, we're maintaining holiness. It's our job to do that. That's a benefit of wanting to live like a hero, though. Another benefit of living life like a hero is this. You establish the example for younger Christians to follow. You literally become a role model. High school students, if you're in here, listen to me. You live your life for Christ and you strive to be a hero because there's a junior hire that desperately needs to see you live right before God. College students, there are high schoolers and 20-year-olds, there are high high schoolers that need to see the role model of what a college student looks like living their life for God. 30s and 40-year-olds, there's 20-year-olds that are in desperate need of what it looks like to be a godly husband, a godly wife, and to live a life that looks more like Christ every single day. 60, 70, 80, 90 year olds, we need you. We need you. We need you to speak to us from your wisdom. We need you to share with us from the intent of your heart where you've lived a long life. You've journeyed a long ways and we need you to speak into us. We are in desperate need today of people that will be willing to see themselves as role models and stop shrugging it off and pushing it off to others. That's not how heroes are made. Heroes are made when you step up to the plate and you say like Paul said, follow me. As I follow Christ. That's bold, bold, audacious faith. The last benefit of living as a hero, though, is you pass on a legacy for future generations to be inspired by. Pass on a legacy. Heroic faith will long outlive the hero of the faith. Heroic faith will long outlive you. Your grandchildren will talk about you even while you're long gone in the grave. If you live a life living it as a hero of the faith. If you just do great things, your greatness fades away very quickly. It becomes a dash in between two dates. But heroic faith, a person that gives it all for the sake of the kingdom, that faith long outlives you. Genesis tells us that that type of faith is passed down for a thousand generations in the form of a blessing. Wow. Isn't that beautiful? That's what it means to live as a hero of the faith. Let me challenge you with this one last verse out of Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 2 says this. Through their faith, the people in the days of old earned a good what? Reputation. If you want to leave a good reputation in the day that you live, then live as a hero of the faith. What is the reputation that you're trying to leave? 
In Hebrews chapter 11, there's a whole host of them that just kind of ends. And it says there's more room on the plaque. If you want your name on the plaque, you can have it. But you're going to have to live seeking God's reputation and not yours. You have to live striving after being a hero of God's kingdom and not your kingdom. You want your name added to the plaque. That's what it means. It means you're going to have to start listening to his voice more than you listen to your own voice. It means you're going to have to break out of the comfort zone. You have to get out there and put yourself on point and say, I'll cross the wire. I'll go into the battlefield. God, you spoke. And as crazy as it sounds, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to love the unlovable. I'm going to give like no one's ever gave before. You know, I'm, going to, I'm going to worship you, you know, because you're king. No matter what people say, I'm going, to, I'm going to tell people about my faith in a loving, kind way. Even if it's not politically correct, I'm going to get out there and I'm going to love people because, God, you set the example of loving people. I'm going to follow you. I want my reputation to hinge on your reputation. I don't want my reputation to hinge on anything else. I want my reputation to hinge on Christ. Why don't you stand with me today? Can you just close your eyes all across this place? What's keeping you from being the hero of the faith today? Is it listening to other voices? Other voices taking trumping God's voice? Then bring it to this altar today and lay your life down. What's keeping you from being a hero of the faith today? Is it, is it your unwillingness to follow the nudging of the Holy Spirit when He spoke to you and you've kind of pushed Him off and pushed Him off and you're wondering, is He still willing to speak to you? And my answer to you that is, yes, He is. But our... Our humbled heart has to come before him again and say, God, here I am. Use me. What's keeping you from being a hero of the faith? Is it your, your lifestyle? Is it your sin nature? Then bring your sin nature to God today. These altars, like I said last week, and like I'll say over and over again, these altars are a place for the hungry. And these altars are a place for the hungry that are willing to say, not out of pride, but out of humility, God, use me to be a hero of the faith. I will go. I'll be a hero of the faith, God. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. God, I'm hungry to be obedient to you. That's what these altars are for. They're for the hungry. And our prayer partners will be at the back to pray with you as well. If there's anything in your life that you just feel like, man, I want someone to pray with me, you go to one of them. They're going to be back there. And let's find a place today for the hungry to express their heart to God. Even if it's standing right where you're at, raising your hands to God and going, God, here's my life. My life is, I want it to be lived like the heroes, the heroes of old in Hebrews chapter 11. Here's my life, God. I lift it up to you. It's good, the bad, the ugly. Here's my life, God. Use it in whatever fashion you want. But in the end, God, may my life be lived in such a way that, Lord, when I stand before the throne of God, you will look at me and say, well done, good and faithful hero. Well done, good and faithful hero. Your name is written in the lineage of Hebrews chapter 11 right underneath Rahab, the prostitute. May our names be found on that plaque. Father, in Jesus' name, may you speak to us through the power of your Holy Spirit right now. May you draw us to yourself. May we lay down our lives, no matter what the cost is, that the hungry would come, come seeking you, God, that you would turn us into the heroes of the faith you want us to be, that by simple obedience to you, heroic actions are achieved. By simply surrendering to you, God, heroic behavior is lived. That's all you're looking for today. It's just ones that will be obedient, surrender to you, and say, God, whatever your will is, may it be done in me and in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. May we seek him as hungry people today, desiring for him to do great things in us. Let's do that.
Let's seek him.